Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mission Driven. Today, I'm here with Bridget Burns. She's the owner and operator of Wild Bees Honey. Thank you, Bridget, for being with us today and, and sharing a little bit of information about bees and why they are so important. Yeah, thanks for having me. So bees are, in my opinion, what I understand, kind of the start of everything. They help pollinate, they help uh, produce honey, obviously, which is very delicious and good for you. Um, so how did you get started? What, what drew you to the bees? Uh, it's funny because I was trying to think about that before this, because a lot of people ask me that question and I don't have like a specific, like, you know, like magical moment with a bee where I was like, I want to do beekeeping. <laughs> um, but when I think back to it, I mean, my family was always very nature centric and um, kind of fostered this love of, you know, getting outside and observation. And I think from a young age that me and my siblings, we, we all just kind of liked observing bugs and being in the dirt and that kind of stuff. And um, so I don't remember exact point, but I do know like all the way back in, into high school um, and I'm 29 now. So, you know, way back when, <laughs> um, but I already was, my, my dad told me about this woman that he knew that had some hives at our, our community garden. And I instantly was like, oh, I'd, I'd love to just like, see what that's about. Like, I want to see what beekeeping is all about. And so I, you know, I did that. I went with her one time and saw her hives and found it very interesting. And then I actually got to go with her on a tour of an apiary and an apiary is just a fancy name for a place with a bunch of bees, like a person that takes care of them, um, honeybees normally. And uh, so I got to do tour an apiary and I think that really opened my eyes to how cool the, the actual act of beekeeping was. Um, and then um, I'm actually a zookeeper full time. And while I was in between doing looking for jobs for that I did actually contact the apiary I toured and then worked there for a summer and I think that that was the real pivotal moment for me when I actually got to work in the hive see those bees see all the amazing things they were doing and then also just like out at the hives in each bee yard there were so many cool other insects and things I would see that are just kind of hanging out around that area because we're putting the bees in spots that have a lot of flowers and, you know, other stuff that's great for other insects as well. So I was seeing like praying mantids and butterflies and all this stuff when I was just going out to work the bees. And I think that it just made me realize like how the smallest things are actually, they're very important. <laughs> um, and I was seeing how everything was super connected um, so I worked there for a summer and then leaving there, I was like, at some point in my life, I want to have my own hives. Like I would love to be a beekeeper. Um, and when I moved to Montana, um, there's a lot more space here. And Montana is actually one of the top um, beekeeping states in the country, um, which sounds interesting because the winters are crazy yeah. harsh. Um, but what happens is that a lot of commercial beekeepers will bring them here into Idaho to pollinate like them. Um, uh, potatoes and that kind of thing and then in the winter time they'll ship them off to like California and they're going to pollinate almonds so the, those bees are going back and forth they're not really doing bees yeah yeah <laughs> it's actually pretty cool um in the spring and in the fall you'll see just these giant flatbed trucks of stacks and stacks of hives of honeybees and you know that they're coming or going yeah so that's pretty cool that's um, not traumatic then, for them well I mean, commercial beekeeping definitely has a different thought process than like your little hobby beekeeper where, you know, they're going to, the rule of thumb kind of is um, either when you're moving a hive, it's like two feet or two miles. So you can slowly move them a little bit at a time and they should be fine. Or you just have to move them a crazy far, 
far away from where they originally were. Um, and they normally are able to reorient themselves and get themselves all back together. Um, but obviously, yeah, like the commercial people will lose a few bees on the way. They're like driving down a highway and yeah. there's big nets and stuff around them, but it's definitely a different thought process, um, which kind of leads me back to my, my philosophy on beekeeping. Um, so I now have, well, I started off with two hives. I now only have one hive of my own. Um, but for me, it's, it's funny because I don't even really like honey that much. Like I like honey, but it's not like I'm not doing it, you know, for yeah. the honey. Um, and I just think that bees are so interesting. And, um, and, and again, not even just honeybees, but realizing just pollinators in general, how important they are, how cool they are. Um, but yeah, like, you know, honeybees, it's interesting. They're considered livestock. So um, they, they're a big part of agriculture. They're, they do, as I'm, I bet most people have heard at this point, like one third of every bite of food you eat is thanks to a bee. And, um, but yeah, you know, uh, even our clothing, our textiles, cotton, like that's being pollinated by bees and um, the alfalfa that the beef cattle eat, that's being pollinated by bees. Um, and on even a, a, like a larger scale, um, just like in the natural life of things in the ecosystem, you think about like the grizzly bear who eats a bunch of berries during certain times of year of the year so that they can go into hibernation or when they first come out of hibernation. How do you think those berries are being pollinated? It's, you know, native bees and other pollinators. And so, you know, you lose, you lose that one little puzzle piece, the pollinator, and then you lose the berries and then you could, you could lose the grizzly bear. So right. it's very, it's very interesting to just kind of think about how important something so small could be. <laughs> and it is, it's, it's really, really spread out and connected to everything when you think about it. Yeah. Everything we do, everything we eat, everything we wear, you know, it's amazing. all thanks to a pollinator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's been information in the news about the population of bees declining. Mm -hmm. Why is that and, and how can we reverse it? So there's a couple things that are happening. Um, you know, pesticide use and that kind of thing has always been an issue. Um, a lot of, um, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, so I feel like I do every time, but it's, uh, I think, neonicotoids um, that are now being banned in certain places because they're shown to really negatively affect pollinators and, and other things as well. But, um, and that kind of affects um, a bee's food source it, and then it affects the bee's nervous system. So they're, you'll, you can, you can kind of see, luckily I haven't really dealt with it so far with my bees, but you can, I've seen videos of it when you can tell if a bee's been poisoned by um, pesticides. They're, they're nervous, they're like shaking and spasming, their nervous system's being affected. So, so definitely stuff like that. And if people can gear towards more natural type um, management of weeds and whatever else, um, that's extremely beneficial and helpful. Um, and then, um, you know, things like the varroa mite and colony collapse disorder. We still don't really know too much about colony collapse disorder, um, but the varroa mite is um, a mite that was, I believe, originally on Asian honeybees and, you know, through travel and whatever else it came over here to the Western honeybee. And now that's something that's really affecting them. And so responsible beekeeping, making sure you're doing mite control, all that kind of stuff is important as well to make sure your bees are staying around and then they're not spreading that to, you know, you don't know if somebody kind of close by might have their own bees. So you don't want that to spread to right. them. So responsible beekeeping is important. 
Um, and then also, again, like on a bigger scale, climate change, which has affected everything. But, um, you know, extremely hot summers, there's not going to be the bloom that there normally is. So then there's not that food for bees. And again, all pollinators, um, like the Western honeybee is actually, you know, not a native species. It came over from Europe. And so it does technically kind of compete with some of the native bees. Um, and, you know, beekeepers can help with like that lack of bloom by feeding their honeybees sh sugar water or whatever they do. Um, the native bees don't have that little help, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so they're gonna, they're definitely gonna falter um, and have issues. And, and the reason native insects, native anything is important is because it's co-evolved with the landscape. They've co-evolved right. with each other. So, you know, there are native pollinators that are specifically evolved to pollinate a certain flower. So you either lose that flower or you lose that pollinator. Now you've, you've broken one of the chain, the links between everything. Right. So, um, but yeah, so um, basically all the things you hear that you can try to help with climate change, although it's a pretty daunting task, I'd say that's one of the biggest, biggest issues. Um, even bumblebees who are, they're, most of them are notorious for being able to handle colder temperatures and higher altitudes, but those areas are warming. So then what happens, they emerge too early from their, um, you know, their nest in the spring. Their, the flowers they normally emerge with are not ready yet because the weather's all wonky. Right. And you know, you just get up this whole trickle, this whole trickle effect. So yeah, planting native flowers in your yard, um, uh, yeah, not using pesticides, just the regular kind of being the best naturalist you can be and as eco-conscious as you can be to try to help with the climate change. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, just, you know, kind of educating yourself on what's around you. So, you know, a lot of people don't really like bugs, you know, a lot of people, I know anyway, well, maybe not me, I'm in a, in a couple different circles and I think the average person, but, um, you know, creepy crawlies, bugs are scary, yeah. bees sting, that kind of thing. Um, if people can educate themselves on, you know, their, where those insects places are in the ecosystem and why they're important, it might change their mind of, you know, okay, well, this thing's kind of creepy, but I'll just let it be and do its thing. Right. <laughs> um, I won't kill it. Well, honeybees um, generally don't want to attack you. I know you just posted something yesterday about being bit yourself or stung. Yeah. Um, but that's not generally what they do, right? Yeah. And, and honestly, um, like a honeybee, if they sting you, they, they 99% of the time will die. Mm -hmm. So it's a choice for them to attack. And, you know, the choice is, do I die for this cause? And they actually have done some studies. It's interesting that different times of the year that there is kind of this conscious thought of like, is it worth it? Yeah. for me to do this which is again crazy for an insect you don't necessarily think of that kind of thing but but yeah um honeybees are normally very docile there's a couple um I mean at this point there's been breeding done and selective kind of yeah breeding for you know a more docile bee that's more um productive or maybe this aggressive bee is a little bit more hardy for right. temperature so you get some variant in in your colony um and from colony to colony it's interesting too it's almost like a personality some colonies will just be a little bit more finicky than another colony yeah. um but overall yeah it's you know they're gonna die if they sting you so they're they're most of the time unless you knock over their entire hive or you know something crazy they might you know buzz close to your face and be like hey yeah watch it you're getting you're starting to you're starting to aggravate me yeah <laughs> um 
but otherwise yeah they're they're not and i think other than and i don't know as much about like yellow jackets and wasps um from my understanding those are a little bit more aggressive yeah but like the bumblebee and the honeybee and most of your native bees like a mason bee or a leaf cutter bee like they just they're just trying to they're just trying to do their thing and they don't really care if you're watching that's fine <laughs> um if you decide to attack them then they're gonna fight back <laughs> you well, know like they any, have the defense. any animal right right exactly um, so a few months ago i was uh, on the panel of judges for a stem competition mm -hmm. and one of the students came up with um, an experiment to monitor and potentially prevent the varroa mite from Oh, wow. infiltrating hives which i was just like oh tell me more you know yeah i'm like who is this person i need to <laughs> it was actually a really fascinating paper and so what she the the conclusion fast forward to the conclusion was um to use essential oils that where the machine mm. runs on battery next to the hives i think it was um she tested sage lavender oregano and something else mm. um I forget the winning combination of mm. essential oil, but that got rid of any infestation of the Varroa mite, um, which I was just like, that up. Yeah. yeah, I'll see if I can find the paper and send it to okay. you if I, if I can. Um, but I was just like, that's great. Cause there's no pesticides. And that was her goal mm -hmm. too, right? Not to use pesticides because yeah. it, it really does more harm than good. Um, and it was just a simple solution of a battery powered essential oil machine with a few essential oils. Like that's amazing. Amazing. You know, yeah. and I asked her, I said, what, what about planting that plant next to the, the hive, you know, would yeah. they thrive on that? And that would help. And she said, no, because they need a certain concentration mm. of that essential oil odors, um, to, to prevent the mite. Wow. I love that. You know, it's right? so cool hearing that people are thinking like, but there's always new stuff yeah. coming out, you know, like that's and amazing. She was like 17 years old. Right. Um, and she, I, know, I feel like I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I gotta start thinking <laughs> of, oh, please. Of you, you did so much. Um, <laughs> but I thought I would share and I'll definitely share this at the end. Yeah. What the essential oil was and, and see if that works. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool because um, luckily in Montana, like there is some people still normally treat for mites in the, in the spring and the fall. Um, like when, when the bees are first coming out of their winter kind of little yeah. hibernation and then going into it. Um, but luckily like Montana, because it's colder, doesn't seem to have as much issue with the mites, which is right. good. Yeah. Um, but from, from my research, it's, um, some of it can be pretty harsh or invasive and it's like, you have to make your decision, you know, for you as a beekeeper and what's the best route for the health of the total bees, you know? Right. Do you, do you lose a couple of bees and kind of do this harsh treatment, but then in the end, your whole colony thrives and all those bees do really well. And yeah. so I've been, it's hard because during, I, I need to treat in the fall probably. And so I'm trying to like figure out the best, the least invasive, the, the nicest kind of way. Cause again, I, I just, you know, I, this might sound cheesy, but I like, I just like sitting at the hive and hearing them buzzing and just watching them do whatever they do because again they're they're very specifically evolved to do like just very specific tasks and you just think about all the stuff that they're doing how um you know a lot of people think it's this monarchy because there's a queen bee but it's actually more of a democracy they bees will um if they find a good food source they'll come back and they'll dance and they'll do this waggle dance type thing and um you know 
the the hive kind of votes like is it worth it to go by the way this girl by the way this bee is dancing like she seems like she's like this must be a really good spot so yeah. should we all go and forage over there or should we you know still do what we're doing because we know we have some good spots or when they're trying to pick a new um place to live they need to swarm it's the same type of thing like scout bees will come back and be like I found this really great place and then you know they kind of all decide to go so it's kind of almost more of a a group type dynamic than this one bee I mean the queen's obviously very important she lays all the eggs so she she is the center of it all really but she's not really making any decisions she's just in there you know she's not like do this do this this yeah she's just like popping out babies all day long and again very important job (laughs) but yeah a lot of people are like yeah queen bee and it's it's actually interesting it's kind of a group dynamic that makes decisions together which is interesting again for a group of insects you know you don't you don't picture that <laughs> only yeah. we like the bees right right I know I'm always like the bees really are a pretty you know good should be a good symbol for like how people should try to be like innovative teamwork I mean I do happy dances all the time but right <laughs> yeah you're like this was a really great day <laughs> exactly. waggle 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 <laughs> you know it um so how does someone get into beekeeping because side note I am actually interested in eventually yeah. becoming a beekeeper myself having a small farm maybe two or three mm-hmm. hives um how do how do you do it I'd say one of the first steps you should do is find somebody that could be a mentor So I would find somebody, I mean, you know, the closer would be the easiest, but, you know, research around, maybe visit some apiaries, talk to people and just someone you mesh well with that you're not going to be afraid to be like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Please help me. Um, Find a mentor that will be able to answer your questions. I'm lucky right now I have, it's actually the FedEx guy in town. He's this older (laughs) gentleman who has kept bees for a long time and he found out I was keeping bees and now I have this text like we can text each other and I'm like I'll send him pictures and I'm like oh my gosh does this look like you know is this bee poop healthy what what do you think um and uh stuff like that so I would say find a mentor but also like I have like a thousand books on beekeeping like you there's always so much to learn and there's no but you know I feel like you're there's no end to it you're just always going to be learning so as much information as you can digest, I would start by yeah reading things and, and that kind of stuff. And then to be honest, starting um, is, a, is a little bit expensive. It's kind of more of like a upfront cost. And then as time goes on, you know, it, right. it becomes worth it and it all balances out. But um, it's good to start with two hives because um, especially for new be- new beekeepers, the success rate is probably about 50%. So if you have two hives, you're likely that one of them will yeah. do well. Um, so I would start with two, but that means, you know, paying for two whole sets of boxes and frames and all of that kind of stuff. And then um, you'd have to find a place by close by that, not as close, but that does, that sells packages of bees. So um, not all places do that. Um, so you would have to research and find out who's doing that. But again, that's, you know, that upward, Front, upfront cost of buying your bees and and I I've honestly gone through I had two sets two colonies um and I just didn't know enough about the winters here yet and I I lost them they actually some of them froze which was very heartbreaking you should be prepared for for some failure and heartbreak when you're yeah. kind of learning the the roots of beekeeping um and then I so then I bought two more packages so right there again I'm spending that money so um, 
but then once everything's kind of settled and your hive is established, then it's just, you know, you go in and you do hive inspections every once in a while, you learn about these bees. And then if you're lucky, you can sell some honey on the side or whatever else. And, um, but yeah, I'd say to get into it, I would definitely try to meet some other beekeepers. And a lot of places do have, um, like beekeeping groups in the area. Um, if they're, they'll have like, you know, Northern New Jersey Beekeepers Club or something like that. Um, and I would follow some of those on social media and, and that kind of thing. Cause a lot of people are just asking questions on there and then people are answering. And, yeah. um, so yeah, I'd say, yeah, definitely find, find a mentor if you can, and then just realize it, it, there will be, there will be trials and tribulations when you first start out, mm-hmm. unless you're really lucky, which, Hey, maybe, maybe you will be, um, but yeah, and then just kind of enjoy the ride and you have to, you have to realize that um, you have to be willing to be bad at something new, you know, like you have to be willing to ask questions and admit that you, you need help. You can't, my, my post about being stung was like, you can't get cocky at the beehive. You just have to, you have to stay humble. The bees are, you know, they're their own entity. So respect them and um, be willing to, to learn along the way. That's great. Yeah. So how have you used social media to kind of further your message and your brand? So um, right now I just have an Instagram um, and I'll post some things on like my personal Facebook page as well. But um, social media has been great for me. Um, I basically use it because my biggest thing is, again, honey is a plus and I'm happy to share honey with people. But education is the root of it all. Education and conservation. So I kind of use beekeeping, which is interesting to a lot of people as my platform to educate about other pollinators. So my Instagram, I try to, I mean, some days or weeks even that doesn't happen, but I try to post fairly often about, you know, um, what I'm doing this time of year in my hives. So right now it's processing honey. So then I'll, you know, share that with everybody, that whole process start to finish. And even if something goes awry, I'll be like, oh yeah, well that didn't work out, but here's probably why, um, and get people kind of in a way, hopefully hooked on just the interestingness of beekeeping. And then I kind of sneak in, um, you know, like here's a picture of a Essex swallowtail butterfly. They, you know, do this, this, and this, and try to push some other pollinators out there and just um, really express that it's not just honeybees that are important. It's it's all the native pollinators that are around. And that even includes birds and bats and, um, and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, I've just kind of tried to take everyone on the, my beekeeping journey with me and, and then use that, you know, the more followers I get, I'm like, that's great. Then the more people, when I post about um, what they can do to protect pollinators, more people are going to see that. So that's just kind of how I've been using Instagram at this point. (laughs) That's great. I mean, education and conservation is such a good message. It's not as though you're trying to sell your honey or sell your brand in that way. It's more of just the education and conservation, which is very noble. Um, Thank you. (laughs) So Bridget, what is your mission? What drives you with all of this? So um, I think my mission, yeah, is, is definitely conservation education, but also just getting, um, I feel like the kind of a recent tragedy and maybe not so much with COVID, I feel like that changed some things around, but that people are not really connected to nature the way they should. Um, so I like to also use the kind of beekeeping and and talking about pollinators as a platform to be like get outside go observe on your own 
you know, take the time to just sit and watch um, that kind of thing. Um, my hope is actually I'm, I'm in the very beginning stages of maybe creating an organization or kind of a program um, that focuses around that, you know, kids, maybe especially girls just being like, hey, it's okay to like bugs, you know, get dirty, go outside um, and just kind of, yeah, like a program where um, I can either take them out to the hive and kind of show them some things around and while we're out there talk about some of the other um, insects or animals we're seeing or even, you know, wildflower hikes, things like that, just to get people out um, and just kind of, yeah, bring them back to nature because I think unless people are connected, they're not gonna wanna protect it. It's not gonna mean, it's not gonna mean anything to them. So what's, why are they gonna wanna take those steps to, to try to make a difference with them if we're losing, you know, pollinators at a pretty alarming rate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely I'd say, you know, talking about pollinators and bees is definitely the core because that's what gives me that platform to, to do other things. But on a grander scheme, I just want, I just like, I again, I'm very, nature centric so I it's a shame to me when people like don't know where their food comes from or don't know um you know why the little you know little flower is important or the little bee so um yeah I'd say just trying to get people back out there and interested and take time to yeah sit and watch and realize how amazing nature really is I love that well, thank yeah. you, Bridget, for sharing your message and all this information with yeah. us. For everyone yeah. listening, I'm going to have her uh, social media in the note, show notes below. Um, feel free to reach out and follow her and connect and change the world. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs>